Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight featuring commentary by Democrat Michael Carbonacci, Republican Mike Coolidge, writer Jeff Giza, and a little bit later on in the program we'll be joined by Kurt Smith, of the University of Rochester, but our program tonight comes to you from our home base at WIND 560 AM 560 in the beautiful city of Elk Grove Village, just a suburb of Chicago. It is part of a Salem radio network. Nice to have you with us this evening. 1-800-723-8289. Lots to discuss this evening, and uh, we'll try to keep it as interesting and exciting as possible, but a lot of people are riled up. My question to you, I'm going to start with our, our uh, Democrat, Mike Carbonaggi. Mike, nice to have you back with the program again. Uh, you've been a guest for, for many, many years. Uh, as a partisan Democrat, you're also an attorney, so you can look at this thing from a legal perspective and also a political perspective. Look at it as from a political perspective. Is this? Do you consider this a win for um, the Biden forces, or is it a win for Donald Trump? Who, who who's winning the the battle for the hearts and minds of the media at the moment? Well, first of all, Bruce, great to be back. Great Good. to be in, in the new space for a lot Good. of us here. Yes. For, for long-time listeners, some of us remember the other space, and it's great to be with you. Um, you know, I think, you know, one question in politics we always have is, would you rather be uh, us or them? I'd rather be us right now. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you, you've seen the, the Biden White House uh, have a series of wins in a row that mm-hmm. the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, will lower the cost of predi- per prescription drugs, uh, make health care. Uh, but nobody was so talking well. about it on the Sunday shows today. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> believe me, Americans are going to be talking about it when they see the direct results. Mm-hmm. Gas prices have gone down eight weeks in a row. It's an average okay. of four dollars a gallon. Best economics. Okay, but again, the, the 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 Mar-a-Lago raid, and I'll use the term raid. Who does that benefit at the moment? Well, I mean, it's it was an ex- execution of a search warrant, so I think okay. the, raise, the, the the raid. Uh, Your point is well taken. Well, I mean, it's so is mine. Well, <laughs> not only was I an attorney, I was a federal prosecutor and a senior attorney with the Securities and Exchange okay. Commission for a number of years. So I'll tell you, the legal words matter here. Uh, you know, a, a raid means you didn't go before a judge and it wasn't authorized by the attorney general and it wasn't conducted by sworn law enforcement officers. All that happened in this case. In this case, Merrick Garland personally authorized the execution of a search warrant conducted legally by the FBI. It, it's rather mundane what they're doing right now. Mike Coolidge is our Republican. Mike, from a political perspective, uh, was this a big win for Donald Trump or uh, is it a long-term loss? Uh, thank you also for having me on, Bruce. Good. Your uh, excellent show. Um, and with all due respect, uh, Michael, uh, it is a raid. It was a raid. The recession that we're currently in is a recession. Uh, the constant redefinition of words that the left tries to do just doesn't resonate with uh, everyday Americans, I don't think. We can see through it. And long term, I think this is going to benefit Donald Trump. The right has never been more united after this week. Uh, regardless of how this plays out, whether that means the absolute worst case scenario, him going to jail or he getting some sort of indictment that gets thrown out, whatever. Uh, they crossed the line this week, the left, 
that they shouldn't have crossed. And there's going to be long-term negative repercussions for Let's go to that. Jeff Giza. He is a writer. He joins us uh, from his home in Florida. Uh, Jeff, uh, is there a clear winner uh, of this past week politically? Well, hi, Bruce, and it's great to be here with you guys. Good. I don't even know if that's the right question. I mean, really, it's not a partisan question to the country, right? Because, <clears throat> I mean, this is this is bigger than partisan football, in my opinion. I mean, we have one side that really regards the uh, DOJ and FBI being weaponized in an over-the-top manner against a potential candidate. And then the other side, we have, you know, uh, a group of people who look at Trump and who may have committed very, very serious violations who, you know, attempted a coup in the minds of many people. And then, you know, espionage and, and obstruction. I mean, these are serious, serious charges. So I think it's a little premature to, I don't like to put it in the partisan language. Like I want to get the country mm -hmm. back on track where we all can feel like there's neutral application of the law and where we all can respect democratic processes. How do we get there? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I mean, look, my my back, I'm not a neutral party here. I, mean, I was super pro-Trump in 2016, as you know, and I lean right. And I, you know, I've, my you know spirit and heart is with a lot of the Trump supporters. Like, I love these people and I feel like I understand a lot of their grievances. Um, at the same time, I've really grown critical of Trump. I think he's crossed some major constitutional red lines. And so as I look at the situation, I think we need to do a couple of things. Number one. We need to acknowledge that, um, you know, that Trump crossed red lines like the right needs to acknowledge that and uh, leadership needs to re get us back on track where we recognize democratic processes and and guardrails and, and um, for for our party while still doubling down on the policies we care about. At the same time, I mean, a lot of people on the left are saying the problem's you, the problem's you, the problem's you. It's not. It's a bigger there's a broader dynamic here. I mean, this stuff is not happening in a vacuum. And if the if the FBI and the left and the establishment can't look at themselves and understand that while, while there is kind of a pattern here of abuse and there are reasons why they're distrusted. And I don't think you can expect one side to reflect on itself without doing. Jeff, the same let me yourself. ask you this. What 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 is the what is the red line that you think uh, has been stepped on or stepped over in this case? Yeah, well, I mean, huge red line. I mean, look, I participated in the Claremont Institute, Texas Public Policy Institute election war game. I played the intelligence community. And one thing I, you know, I already knew intellectually when I played that role, how sacrosanct the peaceful transfer of power is, but I, I kind of understood it in a new visceral way. And so when the election happened and I heard all of this noise, I thought, you know, hey, maybe this is a fraud narrative is kind of true. Let's Let's see what happens through the legal process. Oh, and okay, there's a, there is a legal process for that. And there's a history of presidents kind of complaining about that and contesting results. Um, but then when I saw uh, January 6th, and then I kind of held my, uh, reserved my judgment on it. But then as I learned more and more and more, it started to look like there was a coordinated attempt, a multi-pronged coordinated attempt to disrupt and to delay the electoral certification from the top. I mean, that came, it looked a lot more like a coup attempt than an insurrection attempt. And I know a lot of my friends get triggered by the C word, but just given my background and analysis, like I can't really deny it. So I think there are some okay. red lines crossed Mike, in, in that period. Mike, and then obviously with classified documents and potentially grifting off of them, 
you know, yeah. in wanna, all kinds of ways, both Jeff, to I wanna, justice and I want to. Yeah, I, so I, 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 I think it's pretty serious. I want to let Mike jump in here because you you may have heard well, his eyebrows raised. <laughs> Michael well, Coolidge. I'm pretty sure uh, it's been established that this raid has nothing to do with January 6th. So there's just a separate uh, discuss, separate topic all in and of itself. The supposed things that Merrick Garland has uh, is all worried about with uh, with this indictment was the or not this indictment but on the warrant was uh, espionage and classified materials that might have something to do with uh, nuclear stuff, or whatever, which seems extreme and outrageous. Um, that this could have been done without this raid. They were in his partner. They were in his house in June. Okay. I know we're, we're up against a break. We got, yeah. We've got a pause. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu.
cold in the middle of the pandemic and nobody else. Bruce Dumont back, and it's nice to have you with us. Michael Carmanaggi, he was uh, chomping at the bit during the break. Uh, he is our this Democrat. This story of uh, a no, very oh, special got, oh, woman. There's somebody stepping on my toes here. Take that woman out and have her talk to. Uh, Mike that, that Carbonaggi. That woman seems delightful, though. She really seems wonderful. She has a nice voice. And, and, and whatever she has to say can wait, lady. Okay, you <laughs> yes, can wait for right. the response. All right? Uh, no, I was going to play up something Jeff mentioned. Um, uh, before, uh, just with an inter- interesting personal side. So for this past election, um, I was an elector to the Electoral College, which is usually the most administrative thing you can be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you go to Springfield, uh, you get five pieces of paper, you mark off uh, on each of the five who you're voting for for president, you sign it, um, two of them go to uh, Washington, one goes to the archives, one goes to Congress. Um but, Jeff, you mentioned something interesting, too. Uh, there's a little term in there called that uh, ascertainment, uh, and it's usually just a, kind of a nothing administrative process. But in this case, the GSA administrator has to ascertain the winner of the election purely for the process of starting the transition, literally giving the winner office space, salary, computers, passwords, IT support, all of that. Well, in this case, the GSA administrator based upon direction we now have seen from from the Trump White House, was refusing to ascertain the winner. Historically, the winner has been ascertained five to seven days. In this case, it was 40 days later. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, there's major domestic and international issues to be dealt with. But you can see how these, this plays out what Jeff was saying, the little things to keep a government running, the, the GSA administrator refusing to ascertain the winner of the election, in this case, refusing to read the electoral votes, kept the government from starting up. And and it's those things, I think, Bruce, you were talking about red lines. Mm-hmm. I think it's those things that we have to say, listen, we need to just get back to the almost boring normalcy of governments running properly. And that's one thing that I think we need to come back to is putting those guardrails back in to say, we can all dis- disagree about policies, how we would vote for something in committee, what we support, who we support at the ballot box. But the day-to-day running of the government needs to get back to normalcy. I think that was one of the things that, that, that Jeff was uh, was referencing as well. Jeff, would we when we look at the at the, at the case here and what we know about it thus far based on the published reports, a question that I have is um, in, uh, classified information is taken out of the White House. Uh, President Trump has said that you know previous presidents took things out of the White House as well, including Barack Obama and his you know three thousand or. Three million, whatever it is, documents that are uh, in some uh, warehouse uh, just outside Chicago, con- under the control of the National Archives. Why is it that there isn't someone from the National Archives who is at the White House whenever there is a change in administration, and let them pack the boxes? Why? Sh- why should we trust any president to make that decision? And who are the people that are literally? packing the boxes. I mean, Donald Trump didn't pack any of these boxes. I dare say he probably doesn't know what's in any of those boxes. And Jeff, your reaction, and then then Mike's, Coolidge. Jeff? Yeah, to be honest, I I can't say I understand the mechanics of archives. I mean, it's a really, I I could pretend like I do, but the reality is I don't. Um, But what I do believe, or 
based on what I've read and tried to follow this closely, is uh, it does look like there was some coordinated attempt to take select documents and bring it to Mar-a-Lago. And it does look like, you know, Cash Patel and some other folks were, were involved in that. It does look like the National Archives people tried to retrieve that in, in behind the scenes kind of way. And I believe, you know, there's a new, recent news article about how they asked uh, one of Trump's attorneys to assure them that all the classified documents had been returned when it turns out they hadn't. And so, I, you know, it strikes me as very serious when they talk about the nature of the documents and <clears throat> top secret SCI and skiffs and stuff like that. Um, again, I'm not I don't understand all of the mechanics of this, but it strikes me as very serious. And I think one problem, one challenge for the American public is how does this compare to Hillary's emails or these other instances? Right. And if you if you if you view this as equivalent to Hillary's emails, then it's easy to say, well, geez, the. FBI and the DOJ are weaponizing. Uh, this is a political attack. They're treating Trump completely differently than they've treated other people under similar circumstances. And, and on the other hand, if I think you're in the camp that I, I lean towards these days, which is, no, this does look qualitatively different. Like, it looks like there was something deeper going on here than, oops, I accidentally took classified docs home. I mean, I, I have my own theories about that, but but my sense is that this is a little bit to the next level. And so with my Trump friends, I'm, I know they're so used to hoax after hoax after hoax. And I'm with you on that. Like the Steele dossier was total disinformation, right? That had mass consequences. So I understand why they're very mistrustful. At the same time, my sense is there there is something potentially very serious here and that Trump supporters should consider the possibility that he really has cross some red lines and that, you know, that he's going to fall down. Uh, Mike Coolidge, your, your comments. Yes, th this really ultimately comes down to this idea and this ideal of equal justice under the law. There is a complete double standard if President Obama can take millions of pages outside of his after his presidency and go off into, uh, you know, a, a museum somewhere. And yes, they're guarded by people, whatever. But uh, Hillary Clinton with the declassified emails. Yes, she got her uh, wrists slapped a little bit for that, but there weren't FBI agents raiding her house. There wasn't certainly no one even raised any questions whatsoever about the documents that uh, Barack Obama removed from the White House. We also have to keep in mind, and, and, and Michael talked about it a little bit, of that chaotic time after January or after November of 2020 and January 6th, and of course, uh, January uh, 21st, when, when Biden was sworn in, uh, there were times in the White House where they didn't know, is this going to be fought? Are we moving out? Are we not moving out? Probably were rushing things out of there, cramming them in boxes, off to Mar-a-Lago. But I heard two different people bring up, you mentioned the morning shows this morning, uh, this case, this Navy uh, case from 1988, where uh, Navy versus Egan, I believe, where... Uh, it was determined, and again, I'm not a lawyer here, but it's just people have cited this, that the president has the authority to declassify anything. And even by him removing it from the White House as president, which is, this stuff was moved to Mar-a-Lago when he was still president, it is therefore declassified. This seems to me to be a National Archives, forgive the term, but a um, going to the bathroom match. I don't want to say, uh, you know, on this family-oriented yeah. show what I'm talking about here. And they... Uh, said, no, this is one way we're going to get him. And Merrick Garland has the biggest axe to grind in the world because he wanted to be a Supreme Court justice, and he feel, still feels 
uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, attacked because of that. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, look who's in charge of okay. the Department of Justice now. And My- Michael- this is what this comes down to. Michael Carbonetti. Sure. Yeah, I just want to go back and clarify something, too, because uh, the Wall Street Journal clarified it as well and, and the AP clarified it as well. Uh, Donald Trump said that, well, it's the same thing when Barack Obama took 33 million documents back to his home in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Hours after he said at NARA, the National Administration Records Association, the folks who we're talking about here who are in charge of presidential documents said, Barack Obama never took 33 million documents home with him. 33 million presidential documents were transferred to a secure server, most of those, and they said 95% of them, in fact, were electronic. They're still under the government's control. He never took personal possession Mm -hmm. of those. And more importantly, those that were deemed classified or skiff or top secret were not kept on the same server. They're kept on a separate one. So there was no personal possession. I was going to say, too, because Jeff mentioned it on one of the news store, one of the new programs this morning, former uh, uh, intelligence official John Bolton said, was asked, how does he think this happened, where some of these documents went out of the usual course of of the stream of intelligence. And he said, we have to understand how President Trump liked to receive his briefings. He got the presidential uh, daily briefing in written form, but he worked sometimes better with graphs. So at the end of the briefing, he would ask if he could keep some of the graphs and charts there. The briefers would say, Mr. President, we're supposed to take those back. He said, I'm the president. I want to keep those graphs with me. They left the room leaving things behind. I think going forward, there's going to be a look of saying somebody needs to stand up to the president, whoever he or she is, to say, Mr. President, those come with us. Those are the is, Americans. People. Those are, it, that's America's documents. Is this an issue that as it moves forward through the uh, uh, in, into the political realm, um, is this something that the average American uh, can be upset about, can really get riled up about? I mean, we've heard that the, the, the pro-Trump people are absolutely, this solidified their support. Mm-hmm. There was a report earlier last week or later last week that some of those that had fallen off the, 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 the Trump train as a result of January 6th, some of them have gotten back on the train because they now feel, okay, Trump is a victim here. This is like over the top. And they're, they're, they're treating Mar-a-Lago as if it's, you know, the biggest political issue of all time. So the combination is, that if it isn't 50-50 in America, it's 48-48 as to where people come down on this. But can, can the average person be convinced, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this, can they be convinced that this is really a big deal? I mean, if they're talking about documents that's, that actually got yeah, I mean, back. That's a, that's a good question. and. On one level, I mean, one answer is looking at January 6th actually didn't have that much of an effect. I mean, it had an effect on me, but the average person, I mean, that was like 2% of Republicans, I think, were swayed by it. Most people are much more concerned about inflation and the economy and gas prices than they are about what happens in Washington. At the same time, this is kind of on another level where there may be a real reality moment here where... If Trump is in de- charge, if he's formally charged and there's court, that's just going to escalate everything. And if it becomes okay. clear and clear, I think ambiguity is the enemy, in other words. Like Jeff, I've got, ambiguous- a, I've got a pause. I've got a pause. We'll be yeah. right back after these okay. messages. Uh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, Kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? 
Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Dumont back, and we continue with Beyond the Beltway. We're going to take a moment now and let each of our three guests take a brief introduction of themselves, and we're going to begin with Mike Coolidge. Yes. Mike, give us the, uh, you guys have one thing in common. You ran for public office this year, and the voters rejected you. Yes. But you still High five. Have. There we go. <laughs> yes. It's bipartisan. I think we had that a couple of weeks ago. We had a Republican and Democrat both have lost, so yes. you learned lessons. But uh, I did. I did. Tell us more about what you did. great experience. I, gave, I did a radio show in my own right for 14 years, uh, regionally syndicated on uh, over a dozen stations throughout Illinois. Mm-hmm. Ended the show to run for Congress after the maps came out. Yes. Didn't win. Uh, now I am the spokesman for a political action committee called People Who Play by the Rules. And that is an awesome uh, organization that's doing everything we can to uh, make sure that gubernatorial uh, candidates and actual governors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And also school board members 
especially are uh, is it just in, in Illinois right. or is it right now it's okay. just in Illinois okay yes and again right it, this, this was for those that uh, listen to us on WIND in Chicago uh, Dan Proft who's our morning man here yes he's uh, the he, president of the pack. he's the president of the pack and Richard Uline from uh, uh, Uline yes company is is one of the major benefactors yes okay Yes. Going to run again someday? Absolutely. If, okay. if the timing's right and the people uh, well, let us want know. it to happen. Let us yeah. know so you can announce it on the show. Mike Carbonaggio, we've known each other for a long time. Going back to the 20th century. That's, that's a long that's time. Right. <laughs> long Tell us time. a little bit about yourself because you've, uh, you've had some uh, tough knocks uh, at the polls recently. Yeah, no, I mean, just like Mike, uh, the voters decided they won somebody else, and that's the way this works. <laughs> and I didn't draw it out, and there was no revolution telling people to have me and Mike in office. They were like, <laughs> no, nah, we don't need that. Uh, no, I spent my whole career in public service. So um, I'm first-generation uh, American. My dad came over from Italy. So born and raised up in Highwood in Lake mm -hmm. County, um, worked for Senator Paul Simon as my first boss, probably be the best boss I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Worked for uh, Senator Dick Durbin, uh, helped run his first race in 1996, clerked for a federal judge in Chicago, uh, was a federal prosecutor uh, with the SEC. And then in 2011 was appointed by uh, the chief judge in Cook County to go be a commissioner on the Board of Review. And I was up for re-election this year, and I'm really proud of what we did for 11 years of the Board of Review, uh, but the voters wanted to go in a different direction. Mm -hmm. So, I'm, And you're vice chair of the Illinois Democratic Party. Right. So in, in the and you've been a delegate. Yeah, the so the Democratic Party in Illinois, by each congressional district, they elect one man and one woman, woman to be on our state central committee. So I got re-elected uh, for another term as state central committeeman for the 9th district, which is along the lakefront. Uh, in Chicago and in the north, northern suburbs. Uh, had an opponent there, uh, was uh, successful in that election. That's a four-year term. Uh, and I'm vice chair of the state party. Very good. Can I just ask a quick question? Were you working for Paul Simon when he accidentally went on Saturday Night Live thinking that he was the host, <laughs> but it was the singer Paul Simon there? Yes, that is a great that is a great daily reference. If you're under 40, go to YouTube <laughs> and just put all those words that Mike said into that, and that'll explain that. It was brilliant. Yes. yes it was that, brilliant. Yes. Jeff G's a... Uh, G's a <laughs> Giza joins us, and I think I said you're, you're joining us from Florida, but I guess you're joining us uh, from someplace in New York. But give us a little bit about your background, Jeff. Yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, my political career started in college. I was editor of the Stanford Review, kind of came up through the libertarian movement. I worked for the Kochs, uh, became, well, was early friends with Peter Thiel way back when. And then uh, my politics started shifting around 2015 and uh, went all in on the Trump movement and really was part of the grassroots uh, pro-Trump movement in 2016 election and then gradually grew a little bit disillusioned with him and uh, and still consider myself center-right for sure. But right now my focus is on helping the country heal and move forward and helping the Republican Party kind of get back on track in, in a lot of different ways. Professionally, I'm um, an entrepreneur. I've built and sold a number of different country, uh, companies. Uh, countries, I almost said, <laughs> companies. And uh, I've, I also do some writing in the national security, political, and kind of business realm. So, uh, Big question. I'm going to start with you uh, on this one. Um, if, if your goal is to try to bring the country together or, or back to some semblance of uh, civility, uh, how difficult will that be if Donald Trump is indicted or isn't indicted? Does, does, is one an easier road to bring the country back together, Jeff? Well, I think, no. I think I think either way could escalate the situation. So how do we de-escalate the situation? How do we avoid civil war is a nice, you know, maybe a, a way mm -hmm. to say it with more teeth. 
Sure. And ambiguity is the, en- the enemy here. So if he is indicted and half the country thinks it's illegitimate and unfair and weaponized uh, law enforcement, that's going to really escalate the situation. If he's indicted and the people who had supported him in the past realize, wow, whoa, whoa, actually he was bad and this is legitimate, then I think it can de-escalate. So it really just depends on the perception of neutral application of the law. Mike, what's your answer to the same question? I think it's going to be really, really rough either way. Uh, And I wouldn't necessarily have said that before this raid of last week, Mm -hmm. but they really, and and I just tweeted right away, the most immediate thing that came to my mind when this all became news is they have no idea what they just did, what what the FBI, what the Department of Justice, the left, they crossed. Have you you found uh, since Mar-a-Lago, since the uh, raid or Mm -hmm. search, have you found that amongst your friends and neighbors and colleagues who are Republicans, yes. they may have been fallen Trump Republicans uh, who may have been turned off by January 6th. Have you found that some of them are, are thinking twice, maybe nice about Donald Trump at the moment because they feel that he's been victimized and, and a victim of the weaponization of uh, the Justice Department? Well, uh, and I forget if it was Jeff or, or Michael who brought up the fact that uh, this didn't January sixth didn't move the needle as much as right. uh, the people think it did. On, and the hearings on, didn't. No, not at all. And but this is absolutely waking a lot of people up that there is not equal justice under the law. I'm talking about people on the right and maybe people a little bit in the center too. That this is something that uh, is going to really, really come back, whether or not Donald Trump is the president the next time around. If there's a president DeSantis, heck, even just in January, when we have a Republican Congress, which we're all but guaranteed to have, a House of Representatives, they're going to be subpoenaing people, maybe not indicting people in the same sense because you still got Merrick Garland there, but it's going to get ugly in January of next year because this uh, line was was crossed in a way that's never been crossed before. Michael Carbonacci, your answer to to the basic question is uh, indictment, no indictment. Is, is, is one road an easier road to bring the country back together. Well, I want to go back and, and to the, the point here of, of um, an unequal uh, application of the law. Mm. This is the opposite of that. This is showing that no one is above the law. In this case, as boring as it is, the process played out. There was an application for a search warrant. Evidence was supported to show probable cause. It was presented to a federal judge. The attorney general signed off on it, and FBI agents executed the search warrant. But no, no, few Republicans, Mike, are going to acknowledge that um, that Hillary Clinton was handled in in a in the same way they're they're just they're just not going to believe it we're hunter biden for that matter democrats remember when jim comey 11 days before an election broke the rule that says before an election you don't disclose a non-public confidential investigation and he did that and they looked at thirty-three thousand emails and they found seven that were marked confidential and that process played out my side's been on the same side i was a gore worker in 2000 and believe me we were ticked off when the supreme court 5-4 to set quit counting votes in 2000 but again, this country has to put the guardrails back in place so we can do things like provide education and 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 health care and all these things. I mean, we, we can we can dispute is, all this. And is I, and there I, a lesson to be learned by how Al Gore handled it and how the Democrats handled, uh, you know, Bush v. Gore? I, I think there's 
part of it is letting the temperature come down somewhat, and that was a pre-Twitter age. That was before you had social media constantly pouring gasoline on it. And at the time, you just need to kind of move these things forward here. Um, I I also come from a different time. When I worked for Paul Simon, uh, Paul Simon and Orrin Hatch, it was the Simon-Hatch-Balanced Budget Amendment. When the Democrats lost majority, Orrin Hatch went down to Paul's office and said, I'd like to resubmit it as the Hatch-Simon Act, and it got resubmitted that day. You had Democrats and Republicans willing to work together, and they had a way to work together. Uh, Jeff, to you, uh, how difficult is uh, putting the country back together again in the climate of uh, social media and everything that's happened in the world of uh, media in the last five years. Yeah, well, media definitely, uh, I think, has a centrifugal effect. You know, algorithms on Twitter. You know, I'm rewarded if I if I make a more extreme take. If I do a take about healing the country, like nobody likes that. So there isn't. Everybody, I think, so many people have common sense, and everybody wants to heal America. Uh, at least I think a lot of people do, and yet media doesn't really reward that perspective. So that that's a problem. But I think getting back to uh, some of the other issue at hand, I mean, I think we have to recognize that there are legitimate grievances on all sides of this issue. And I think from the right, if we're seeing Hunter Biden run around cutting deals with his dad, you know, there there's there's a counterintelligence and potential corruption issue with the president in our you know the current president, right? Where are the hearings for that? Uh, so I think there are some legitimate questions on the side of Republicans who want to want to feel like the law is being applied evenly. At the same time, from the Republican standpoint, I would ask them, what more do you need to see before you realize that Trump may be corrupt and a grifter? And like, like, dude, like all these people call themselves constitutional conservatives. And it's like, what, if you call yourself a constitutional conservative, and you turn the other way when he interferes with a peaceful transfer of power, and you turn the other way when he's taking classified documents for espionage, when you turn the other way when there are all these counterintelligence issues around him, I would just ask yourself, like, what kind of constitutional conservative are you? It's sort of pathetic. Mike? So anyway, wow. I think, I think, I've, I think there's enough to piss off both sides here. Okay, Mike Coolidge. Wow, I mean... I think that, you got pissed off. Yes, I, uh, could we say that term? We can, but we do have to break. We're going to give you three minutes to think about your answer. I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-8029. Michael Carbonaggi is our Democrat, Mike Coolidge is our Republican, and Jeff Giza is our reporter and writer, and he joins us from somewhere on the East Coast. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings. The kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. 
Bruce Dumont back, and it's nice to have you with us. Uh, Mike Coolidge is our Republican in studio this evening, and uh, uh, you want to challenge uh, Jeff on something he said before the break. Yeah, I think he said towards the end there, uh, implying that having not raising a voice about Trump's uh, most recent thing. I mean, we have no idea what is in these documents, and you know, espionage is just on the... Uh, Warren, we haven't seen the affidavit yet, so we have no idea what Merrick Garland is talking about, what sort of uh, documents there. But I think we're jumping to a conclusion that he has some kind of malfeasance. And I just want to challenge you, Jeff, too. You said grifting. Uh, I'm curious what you talk about what you're referring to with Donald Trump, because I know that uh, there is hard evidence that Joe Biden is uh, on the take uh, with the emails that were discovered in his son's laptop about the big guy and $10 million. Uh, But I don't know that, you know, you can say what you want about Trump steaks and Trump bottled water, but... I don't know of any evidence of him uh, using the presidency and his position of power uh, to, uh, you know, to make money off of the American people. I don't know what you're referring to there. Jeff? Yeah. uh, Well, real quickly, I'm all for waiting and seeing. And that's my point. These are potentially very serious charges. We don't know. And so I'm telling my I'm advocating a wait and see uh, attitude. So you're exactly right. We don't have all the facts. And so when Republicans are going, you know, defund the FBI and freaking out and just assuming that this is uh, a hoax. I think that's bad to do. And vice versa, I think when the left is just taking a victory lap, I think it's it's too early to draw those kinds of conclusions. So I think you're right. I think a wait and see attitude is the right approach. And I, what I am saying is, as a constitutional conservative, we should be take these potential red lines very seriously. We should also take the potential weaponization of the DOJ and FBI seriously. And I think that we can, you know, I support looking at re- genuine reform, not with a sledgehammer, but with a scalpel. Well, and I think it's very, I see a lot of irresponsible rhetoric out there along the lines of warfare and civil war. And on the left, I see all this provocative stuff, too. And then in terms of grifting, give me a break. I mean, I t- talked about the Biden family clearly is engaged in that. But Trump is like grifter in chief. I mean, and one th- reason why I turned on him is that he's grifts against his own people. I mean, look at his legal defense fund that he raised, $250 million, mostly from working class people. You know, and hardly any of that's been used to actually do the do the election. $60,000 just went to Melania's wardrobe. I mean, the guy's a total grifter. And I think people that I've met who know him from his business past aren't surprised, you know, by what's happening. And I think there's potential. And again, I, I totally support a wait and see attitude maybe this is overreached by the, the DOJ and the FBI. That may very well may be the case. It's the, or it may be the case that he was legitimately grifting off of classified documents and using Mar-a-Lago in, in, a, in all kinds of ways that compromise our national security. That's potentially very serious and worth considering, in my opinion. Is, is, is the best way, you know, I asked you before, you know, whether, whether he's indicted, whether he's not indicted, which is the... Which is the lesser of two evils for the future of the country? And I'm thinking, I'm not, not for Donald Trump's future, for the future of the country, the belief that people have in the institutions of government. Let me ask this: Is is the simple answer to that question? Don't indict Donald Trump. Let there be a wide open primary for the Republican nomination, which Donald Trump will maybe get, but maybe not get then let the winner of that primary run against whoever the Democrats bring forward in 2024. Let's have another election, 
And when that election is over, hopefully the winner is by such a wide margin that it's going to erase any possibility that uh, there's chicanery again, which many people still believe happened. Is that the is that the best way for it to happen? Let the let the voters decide. Well, let the voters weigh in on all this, and it may be fifty one forty nine. We don't know, but let the voters decide on this, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I, I, okay. But here's the problem, and it gets back to what what Jeff was saying. If we're going to be returning back to normalcy, we have a criminal justice process that says we don't care what the election calendar is. Um, I give you some background on the execution of the warrant. And, and, and Mike mentioned before about why couldn't these have just been handed over voluntarily. I'm just speculating here. I've got no inside knowledge on it. But generally what happens with, with a, a criminal investigation is you start with a, a request for the voluntary production of documents. And then once you've gotten the voluntary production of documents, you have to take some time to review them and read them. Then you ask for compelled documents, usually a subpoena, usually sworn out. After that, you have to sometimes say there are still documents that we have credible reason to believe are out there and they haven't given them to us voluntarily. We've compelled them to give them to us to go into someone's home. They didn't go into a business. They didn't go into his lawyer's office. They went into his home. That is the most serious and that takes the most proof to match up with. And that's why Merrick Garland, I think, to his credit, did a press conference to say this comes from me. I authorize this. And they had to go before a judge, and the judge said, I see enough evidence there to compel this. At that point, it is just document collection. It could not be more boring. It is FBI agents and windbreakers with push carts coming in with a list of documents they're looking for and coming out. And I, and, Mike, and I just want to say, timing-wise, this will not move quickly because now they need time to review those documents, compare it to what they already have, see if there's duplicates, and see where this leads them. This is not the end. This is... I'm willing to bet there's going to be more of this investigation. And there'll be, there'll be a drip, drip, drip of whatever they learn. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the Biden administration, like we heard his spokeswoman on, uh, on TV today, oh, we can't comment on it. It's an under investigation. Oh, we can't comment on it. It's under investigation. They're going to use that term for months and months and months and drag it out as long as possible. But the scenario that you laid out, Bruce, is the best case scenario. Ultimately, let the American people decide. Let Donald Trump run for election in the primary of 2022 or i'm sorry of 2024 um i think that and again just speculation here but i think that is what the democrats fear the most they do not want him in power again because they know he is the big gotta go back to why he was elected in the first place it was a big check on the entire dc establishment and they want to do everything they can to prevent him from getting back into the presidency jeff last word to you about 30 seconds these are both great points, Bruce. And, you know, I I believe in this country and I'm already living mentally in a post-Trump space. And so I think we need to move beyond Trump as a country. And that may not happen now. Maybe that's in four years. After it's up the to the people. Term. It's up to so the I'm people. I'm not suggesting that. But but so much of the politics right now is tied to him personal, personally that what we all want is neutral application of the law. We don't want to feel like he's being targeted by any means necessary to interfere with our democratic process, right? Trump started as a pro-democracy movement, but there's an open question if he's ended that, ended in that space. And so I think we want- Going back to school as a working adult, who have to sacrifice a high quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. 
Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine, vinegar, and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Bruce Dumont from Beyond the Beltway in Chicago, Illinois. Nice to have you with us this evening. Michael Carbonacci is our Democrat. He continues to join us in studio as well as Mike Coolidge. Uh, he being a Republican, and also joining us uh, from his uh, home in uh, Rochester, New York, is Kurt Smith, who is a professor of uh, English uh, at the University of Rochester. And once upon a time, he was a speechwriter to President George Herbert Walker Bush, and uh, I guess a, a longtime member of the Republican establishment. Although I don't know whether you uh, whether you acknowledge the Republican establishment background, Kurt, or you. Uh, you're repelled by it, but uh, we thank you very much for joining us tonight. Also, I should mention, just coincidentally, uh, because Kurt's been on the program several times in the past, uh, he he literally is a walking encyclopedia of uh, baseball and knows all about baseball broadcasting. His newest book is 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 dealing with the history, uh, a century of uh, baseball broadcasting. Uh, so, Kurt, I want to begin with you because um, you're uh, 
You're a moderate, moderate to conservative Republican. You come out of an establishment background. Um, I don't get your reaction to uh, the Trump Mar-a-Lago raid, and does it help Donald Trump or does it hurt Donald Trump politically speaking uh, at this moment? Well, uh, we don't know. Is the uh, I think the succinct answer, Bruce. Great to be with you and, and your guests as well. Uh, yes, I, I have a Republican background, and I'm very proud of the affiliation with uh, with uh, former President uh, Bush, 41. Um, but I, I would not include myself among the uh, the Republican establishment per se. I think uh, uh, Donald Trump calls them rhinos, Republicans in name only. And the Republican establishment has led the GOP over the years to defeat time and time and time again. There was a reason that Donald Trump was nominated despite his rather uh, um, unusual background in, in 2016. And that is Republicans were sick and tired of uh, people who wouldn't stand up for the very people who had elected them. And uh, I think this is a part of, uh, of Trump's enduring appeal. I have great uh, mixed emotions about uh, 2024 for the simple reason I'm not sure that he can win. Uh, but I do know that the Republican Party, many, many parts of it, many precincts, are solidly behind him. And I don't think there's any question, at least right now, that the, uh, that the unprecedented raid, there had never been an attorney general in the history of this country, declare a raid and, and invade, in essence, the personal quarters of the president of the United States. I find it appalling, uh, despite uh, reservations I have about Trump. Trump, to me, right now, is almost irrelevant to this. This is the rule of law, and we either obey the rule of law and adhere to it, or we don't. And I have yet to hear any uh, legitimate and concrete uh, uh, reason why the federal government, uh, under a president who had vowed to unite us, what a joke that seems now, but uh, why it would not keep uh, and continue the negotiations with Trump, which, according to both sides, had, had been amenable, had been amiable, and had led Trump basically to uh, to uh, uh, be very accommodating to the federal government. I think this is a political move. I think it's a partisan move. I think it is seen as such by uh, by most Americans. It'll be interesting to see the polling data, Kurt, with the exception, obviously, earlier in the, earlier in the, because Trump is er, Trump. But er, I think that's er, where we are now. Let me mention, earlier in the program, Mike Carbonaggi, who is a former U.S. attorney here, Assistant U.S. Attorney in uh, in S Chicago, S senior attorney, senior attorney for SEC. SEC. I'm sorry, SEC, not US. Uh, an elected official and also an attorney. Uh, he was making a point. He was making the the defense that the Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he called it. You know, a, he refused to recall it a raid. Uh, he wants to call it the the service of a of an execution execution of a search warrant. But I'm going to let him. Sure. Walk, uh, answer you again because he no. he has a different view of your interpretation no kurt i, I was just going to say that at this point i think it's it's we're, we're waiting to see what the result results are of the search warrant and, and i was giving some background on it to say that and you probably already know this but for folks who are tuning in now is the way that criminal investigations usually start is with a request for a voluntary production of documents. Um, you know what you're looking for. It takes time to review those. After that, if there's additional documents that you haven't been produced but you know are out there, for example, an email that you received refers to another email but you didn't receive that, then you ask for a subpoena. And then after that, you go to the judge and you say, we've asked for the voluntary production. We've asked for subpoenaed information as well. But you go to the judge. You go to a third party here. Um, and I think that's what's important here is this search warrant application for a search warrant was presented to a, a judge that I 
believe uh, has been on the bench for a number of years, knows what she's doing, uh, heard both sides, her uh, and and uh, allowed for the search warrant to be executed. And again, we're got, we're in that 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 phase right now where we're looking at uh, we have to give the time for the FBI agents and for DOJ to review what they've what, asked and received to see where we go. What from is that. the affidavit that, that people are referring to now? What, what's in that, Michael? Um, well, you know, I will say I give credit to Merrick Garland for going out and publicly addressing this. You know, this is always a tough thing, I think, when mm-hmm. I was at the SEC is, you know, investigations are non-public and confidential. And that's actually for the subjects of the investigation because it's, it's difficult to unwind that if you say that you've been the subject of an investigation. That stigma is still there, even if, you, even if no charges have ever been brought against you, um, but just that you had documents that were relevant to another investigation. But um, in this case, the affidavit in support of an application is uh, a summary of what the government has many times what's in there is redacted. So, for example, if they have witnesses or informants that are in support of the affidavit, you want to redact that because you don't want that coming out. So if the affidavit uh, was to be made public, uh, which is possible that could happen next week, sure. uh, would we know a lot more or because there would be so much redaction that uh, it would lead to more speculation than anything else. I mean, I think we all want more transparency into this, but we also want to protect the, not only the integrity of the investigation, but the right to uh, uh, be presumed innocent in an investigation by the government as well while it's ongoing. Mm-hmm. There, there's a bigger picture here to all of this, and it gets so much to what Kurt said, which I agree wholeheartedly with pretty much everything uh, Kurt said. Clearly not a, a, uh, a advocate of the establishment. Donald Trump won in 2016 as the most anti-establishment presidential candidate and and president we've ever had. It was such a finger in the eye to the Merrick Garlands of D.C. and the the Clinton holdovers and the Obama holdovers and all of that. And the establishment that still exists in Washington, D.C., that got back into power when, when Biden became president, wants more than anything to prevent him from coming to power again. This uh, constant, and, and I don't mean to criticize you, Michael, but I've heard it also on a lot of other uh, uh, things. And, you know, lawyers saying, hey, you know, technically, if you really want to be specific here, it's not a raid. It's, it's, it's this other, you know, service of an affidavit. Well, Andrea Mitchell uh, on her uh, show this morning, to me, mm-hmm. the personification of, of establishment, uh, mm-hmm. wa- wagged her finger with her eyes closed and chastised a Republican senator for saying that we're in a recession. Right. Our entire lives, it's two consecutive, yeah. uh, uh, you know, negative GDP growth. But no, that's redefined now. Everything's being redefined, and, and that's the thing. Redefined but, by your husband, Alan Greenspan. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but like every uh, every part of our culture is trying to be redefined in real time as we speak. And and Donald Trump was a, a he won in 2016 to stop that. And and the last thing I'll say is the you know there's so much. Uh, attention to polling and the confidence that we used to have in our media is gone in the establishment in dc is gone fbi caa it's all gone but they're still acting as if they do have that power when we come back i want to get reaction and from confidence. everybody we'll start with you kurt uh i want to get reaction as to how realistic is it that the public will get deep into this story and understand the story with all the facts on all sides with our current national media back to Bye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? 
Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us. But our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. back. Yes, I said Paul Simon was one of the great people for those that uh, picked up there, and uh, you may not like his politics, and I didn't necessarily agree with all of his politics, but as a human being, I think of all the political leaders, Republican, Democrat, that I have met and got to know over the last, I don't know, over 50 years in doing this, is uh, I think he was the most decent. I mean, he was a really true guy. Uh, Kurt Smith, my question to you is, we have a national news media in this country. Um, are we going to be able to get the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth through mainstream media so the public can make up uh, their mind on this, or is everything going to be uh, slanted? Well, in terms of the uh, national media being objective so that we got the entire truth, we should live so long. I remember the 2016 election and the day after the uh, media had been humiliated by the Trump uh, 
uh, upset. The New York Times had an editorial asking, how did we get it so wrong? And then my favorite, they promised to renew their effort to be objective. (laughs) That effort lasted probably about 24 hours. And nothing's changed. In fact, the media has doubled down on it. And what makes this difficult and what makes, I think, middle America upset about this, particularly the raid, let's call it a home invasion. People don't like the term raid. Um, But when you look at the national media, you look at the foundations, when you look at academe, uh, the media, as I said, uh, high-tech business, there's not an institution in this country that right now is not controlled, at least in part or by whole, by the uh, by the uh, left. And they're not about to change. They want Trump's uh, uh, a carcass, and they're willing basically to say anything that they need to. Um, in but terms they, but, of the, uh, but 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 Kurt, don't they Kurt? Don't they also want? Don't they also want a Trump campaign? I mean, on one hand, I agree with you. They want they want Donald Trump dead. They want Donald Trump to be worse in the public historical right. m- more than Hitler. I mean, they, they will treat Hitler better than they will treat Donald Trump. But my question to you is, um, on the road to this election that they really hope yeah. that he will lose, don't they want a primary? Don't they want to fight? Well, they because want he's him good to be nominee. And I don't think that this advances that goal in the least. In fact, I think it retards it. Um, Donald Trump, uh, you know, for example, I, I think people are upset, particularly at the hypocrisy of the uh, of the attempt by the uh, by the uh, Justice Department. Uh, um, Eric Garner referred to it as specific. Uh, he talked about passable national security. Well, if you look now at what was uh, apparently uh, uh, given the uh, the FBI. Uh, they basically rummaged through the entirety of the Trump House. I'm reminded of Lyndon Johnson in 1965, or four rather, when the Gulf of Tonkin re- resolution was passed by Congress. He said, it's like grandmother's undershirt. It covers everything. <laughs> and this covers everything. And uh, I think this is what uh, appall people who may not like Trump, may not like how he behaves himself. I don't, which is one reason I hope he's not the nominee in 24. But there's something called decency and fair play and sportsmanship and and uh, equal treatment under the law, and none of those things are being advanced by this raid. Is there any Republican who can raise the issue without going so overboard that they will be viewed as anti-Trump from the get-go? I'm, I'm thinking that there's the one person out there, obviously, Liz Cheney could play that role. But no one's going to believe that she was ever objective. Of all these other people that are potentially out there, whether it's mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, you you name the candidate, Ron DeSantis, whatever. Is there any other candidate, Mike Coolidge, who you think can raise the raise the issues that are raised by this? Raise an issue as to whether or not Donald Trump deserves to be reelected, deserves to have another four years in office. I mean, if he never had to face the voters again, the second administration of Donald Trump could make the first one look like Disneyland. Well, there was a great piece by Kim Strassel in the Wall Street Journal this week that talked about a 47 Donald Trump, you know, Trump 47, a yeah. second term of him. <laughs> and uh, there is not going to be any guardrails up, you know, to use that term, if he becomes president again. Does that scare you? As, no, I, that's great. I, I want him back in there. Uh, to um, fix what the Washington, D.C. establishment 
is doing to our country. Does it scare you, Michael? 100%. 100%. Does that scare you, Kurt? You say you don't want him back Donald in there, Trump? but what, what, yeah, what happened if Donald Trump gets well, I have reelected again? Are you, are you, are you of the, I have no problem with uh, are you of the school that says, you know what, Katie by the door, whatever this guy does, it's fine with me. No one's going to be able to touch him again. No. You're not no, happy. Not with at him. all. I think that uh, okay. Trump, Trump's character flaws, let's face it, if he had behaved himself personally, uh, he would have been reelected to a, to, uh, to a second term. I think we all know that. Nothing's going to change by 2024, I think. And I have this character flaw, I like to win. And I simply cannot foresee a scenario as awful as this Biden administration has been. If Trump becomes the nominee, he becomes the issue. Any other Republican, and it's the Biden administration and the record, which becomes the issue. So I look at this and, and I guess Ron DeSantis would be my candidate at this point. The ticket to the Republican victory in 24 is Trumpism without Trump. The Mike, main issues that he rose, uh, raised, and, and the American people's support of that, particularly the border, its anti-crime initiative, the economy, which was booming uh, as no one uh, in, in history. Every group of Americans had benefited under the Trump economy. Okay, I like, I gotta um, let... So it's Trumpism without Trump, and I think... I think Joe Biden will be sent to the retirement he so richly deserves. Okay, I got to go with Michael Carbonaggi. Well, well I'm, Kurt, I'm going to disagree with you on everything you said about Joe Biden. I'm happy to talk about the success of the Inflation Reduction Act later. <laughs> but I will say right. Kurt, Kurt is a unique person to have on because of what we we're just talking about. Of what would it, what would a second Trump term be? Because Kurt, you you worked for one of the Bushes, and I think one thing as a Democrat I've always respected is that the son watched his father's presidency and learned what he would do different, better or worse, than his father. I don't think anyone would say yeah. that Donald Trump looks as his time out of office with any reflection as to what he would do different or better. Uh, there, There's none of that soul-searching to say, if given this opportunity by the American people again, this yeah. is what I would do differently. His first-order business is settling scores. One of, my, one of my favorite moments of the 2016 campaign, I was in Cleveland at the Republican National Convention, and it was a part of uh, Donald Trump's speech, his, his acceptance speech of the nomination. And you should go back and, and watch it. Uh, it isn't talked about enough. It was a fantastic speech. And he said, you know, Hillary Clinton's phrase is, I'm with her. I'm with her. All these people following Hillary. Well, you know what? I'm with you. And that... It sounds so simple-minded, but we, we, in politics, I'm a political junkie like we all are. You know, oh, who's it going to be next time? Who's the horse race, this and that? Uh, but ultimately, the president works for the American people. And if the American people want Donald Trump to be president again, he will be president again. 51%. All he needs. Uh, 200 and, uh, what is it, 71 electoral votes. And he'll be president again. And if uh, he runs and, uh, you know, all this Mar-a-Lago stuff, is in the rearview mirror. I think he wins. How do you feel, Michael Carbonaggi? How, uh, again, a deputy of the Illinois State Party, and I know you're not speaking for the party, but I want you to get this reaction. Um, Governor Pritzker has taken a lot of heat from some, uh, many Democrats, certainly from some national news operations, uh, because of his participation and helping fund the idea of pouring money into Republican primaries to get allegedly a weaker candidate. How do you feel about that? Well, first of all, I think we're really lucky to have Governor Pritzker here in Illinois. Um, you know, when I look back in 2020, I've got two young kids who were in school. Um, 
I'll always remember what it was to tune in every day and have a daily press conference with my governor presenting the facts with scientists and doctors there with them as we're getting through it. Um, But when the national news media, I mean, reputable news organizations, when editorially they come out and say what Governor Pritzker is involved with is, is really a disgrace to democracy. Now, how do you I, I don't react? See, I don't see that at all. By, by replaying what Darren Bailey's own words are uh, in reference to the Holocaust. And, no, but, and, no, but, but, but the idea that Democrat money is being put in to support Republican candidates going across the aisle. Even, uh, even Carl Bernstein said that that was, that was the worst thing that Richard Nixon did was he was meddling in the Democratic Party. And and I want to get your reaction as to, is that okay? By, because there's, by, there's by, a lot of by, Democrats that don't like by, that by idea. Re, by replaying what Darren Bailey has said, so as many people as possible. Well, he, he's Bailey, the Republican candidate for so, governor so, for those around the country. So, so uh, yes, yeah, so, so Ken Griffin, formerly of Illinois, now of, of Florida, uh, so was supporting the uh, the mayor of, of Aurora, Aurora, Illinois, Richard Irvin, had put in $50 million in Richard Irvin's race, uh, which was his right to do. Um, and uh, Darren Bailey is the Republican nominee, uh, stood with Donald Trump at his speech downstate in Illinois and has been saying many things over the years, has done a lot more. And people are putting that out there. And he has to stand by his actions and his words. Mike Coolidge. You have to uh, put some stock in what the voters want. They're not stupid. They saw the same ads. And for listeners who don't live in Illinois, know uh, the he ran ads or the Democratic Governors Association ran ads that said Darren Bailey. Uh, he supports uh, life at conception, and he uh, supports the Second Amendment. That's too conservative for Illinois. Right. And most people like me knew exactly what they were doing, but it was giving a lot of coverage to this guy. I, I believe in life begins at conception, and I'm pro-Second Amendment, so he's my guy in the primary. That is what uh, what they were trying to do because they wanted to do that. But, again, it's... And they did the, it in other states. They this did do it in other states, yeah. yes. But you call it, I mean, you can call it meddling in an election, but... You know, no one had a gun to their head and, and circled in the ballot for each of these two conservative, quote unquote, candidates. Uh, you know, the, the American or the uh, Illinois people in my state voted for Darren Bailey, and that's it. When we come back, I want to go back to Kurt Smith and, and, and expand our conversation about the role of media and specifically the role of leaks and uh, unknown sources. Back shortly from Chicago. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike's sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8 22 Restrictions apply. Call for details. 
This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces, just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with Kurt Smith and Mike Coolidge and Michael Carbonacci. They join us. Uh, and Kurt Smith, my question to you is, I want to go back to uh, uh, the, the ability of uh, the media th- to control this narrative. Because at the moment, we're still, we're still waiting for the release of the affidavit. That's what everyone is looking for uh, next week. And it could come as early as next week. Once that happens, there's going to be a lot of, I believe, speculation about what might be in all the top secret files, the 27 boxes that the, uh, that the FBI found at Mar-a-Lago. And my question to you is, because you spent some time inside the Beltway being a speechwriter for the President of the United States, um, how much can we believe when we read something from an unknown source or an undisclosed source because many of those things that come out are very, you know, they're combustible. Certainly the New York Times suggested that uh, some of this information might have been related to nuclear secrets. I mean, how much of this can we really believe uh, if, we're tr- if, if, if you are an American and you really want to get to the truth on this? I mean, I, I really want to get to the truth. But when I read certain things, I, I, I question the source. You should question the source. Uh, the national media has forfeited, particularly over the last five to six years, any belief that it is uh, neutral, objective, truthful, can be trusted uh, from here to first base. It can't. It's overwhelmingly uh, left-wing, more so every year, overwhelmingly democratic. 
Um, and the result is that except for perhaps the Wall Street Journal editorial page and one or two uh, uh, weeklies somewhere in middle America, the left controls the entire national narrative in terms of the media. However, they've been so obvious about it, so flagrant, that increasingly Americans simply don't believe a word they say. Uh, New York, my home state, and, and, and the three of yours home state in Illinois, we live in a one-party state. And the leading media, almost universal, give Democrats the benefit of the doubt, Republican, regard Republicans as somewhat uh, reptilian and, and from another planet. And uh, all of the, all of the uh, questions that I was brought up when I began my career with, with Gannett and then the Saturday Evening Post, who, what, when, where, why, are out the window. Now it's, now it's narrative, I could say prostitution, uh, because in essence, that's what, the, uh, that's what the press has become. Okay, Chris, and, uh, Kurt, yeah, Kurt, Kurt, you, Kurt, have, Kurt, let me do let me, this, you invite people to disbelieve. Let, let, me, let, me, let me interject here for just a moment. I'm, you know, one of the goals of this program is to try to be as fair and balanced as we possibly can. You know, we have Democrats that don't like Biden. We have Democrats that love Biden. Uh, we've had Republicans, obviously, there's there's wings of the Republican Party, certainly in the last five years, and we've tried to touch all bases. But my question to you, uh, Michael Carbonaggi, you've heard conservatives complain about, uh, about an unfair playing field with the national media for most of your adult life. Can you acknowledge what conservatives are talking about? As much as you want to say that, there are as many Democrats right now who are, and, and left of center liberals like me who are saying we watched Fox News and Newsmax and Breitbart take dictation for four years during Trump and not be legitimate journalism, but just do dictation, letting the president call in, letting Trump call in. So I don't think the broad sweeping of the media. How does that compare with how does that compare with NBC, CBS, uh, ABC and CNN? For decades, I mean, I, I'm I'm asking you as a Democrat. You, I mean, do you, do do you see anything that conservatives see? Are you saying no? I I I think that's unfortunately for many MAGA Trump Republicans, they don't like the fact that the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post are reporting factually bad information about Trump. That 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 there was a judge who signed off on a legal search warrant alleging espionage documents in his home that he shouldn't have had. And they immediately have say, you ever us. seen. Let me I ask you this. Let me say, ask you this. That was just a factual statement. Have you ever seen on a national newscast, the, the big three national newscasts? I'll throw CNN in there as well, even though their ratings aren't what they should be. Have you ever seen a pro Trump story of any kind? Oh, sure. A pro Trump slant on any story ever. Uh, I've seen not only have I seen a Trump, but I've also seen a balancing. I think when he first came in, they they were trying to balance his outlandishness with saying, well, you can't quote him exactly. He's from outside the beltway. He's not that polished. You have to understand what he's trying to say. You saw a lot of that with the media. Again, you're talking about the networks and so on. Right. Them covering saying, well, listen, let's get behind that. Let's what he what he's trying to communicate is the following. Don't quote him directly. And again, left, right, Democrat, Republican, there are certain elected officials who you have to say, if we quote them directly, it may not exactly be Shakespeare. Um, and we want to go past that. We've do you think, that. do you think based on, on, again, on those three networks, do you think it's fair those who are given, who are given the challenge to be, and the opportunity to be moderators of programs? 
that that they're virtually all all of their pedigrees go back to the Democratic Party, whether it's Chuck Todd, whether it's George Stephanopoulos. I mean, they they all go back to the Democratic no, Party. I, it, they never go back to a Republican. Well, I mean, you're forgetting about Fox and Breitbart. And no, no, no. I, I, I understand. Journal, they 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 are separate. But but here, other right Fox media Fox started. Be, and they had an idea that if we present stories one way, it's going to be all the all the networks. The one thing that people have in common is a lot of people hated the networks. This is going back 25 years ago when Fox News started. So they be they they become an island for people who distrust national media. But I'm wondering. National media, how have they responded to it? What, do they what, ever put what, Do they ever put a Republican in charge of moderating a program? Now I, Shannon Breen, yes, okay, she just got got Fox News Sunday, but Chuck Todd, I mean, this is the most unobjective broadcaster maybe of all time at the network level, and he's yeah. a bureau chief. I would say, Bruce, Ed, respectfully, if you go to anybody at Fox during the Trump years in those four years, there and, and you're looking away right now. But I do have one, Mike, to <clears> cut you <throat> off. It's a very important question for Kurt before we go any farther, yeah, sure. because we're going to get away. Kurt, Bruce started out with that you have a new book out about baseball. What's the name of the book? Yes. We're all baseball fans. We're here, all baseball like. fans. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Great. Well, wait till next year, right? But Chicago's two baseball teams. <laughs> as well, at least, well, not New York, maybe. You know, as a Red Sox fan, I don't have a dog in this hunt, however, at least in terms of the playoffs. Um, Michael, the, the name of the last book, uh, which came out last year, uh, official book of the Hall of Fame, and it was uh, Memories from the Microphone, a Century of Baseball Broadcasting. And Chicago broadcasters are eminently featured throughout. Jack Brickhouse, uh, Hey, Hey. And, you know, Harry Carey, and of course, uh, who, uh, even though he was dead, uh, saying, take me out to the ball game at this, <laughs> at this week's uh, um, Field of Dreams. Uh, great extravaganza at the, in, in Iowa. Only Harry Carey could do that. I often wondered if, in fact, he'd left us because his presence has never <laughs> left us. And God bless him. Uh, you know, he was the greatest ambassador probably for baseball, unless it's Brickhouse. Certainly, Vin mm. Scully is right in that category. Vin Scully, yeah, I was yeah. going to mention uh, that. Yes, this is something that we can unite upon. And you, and you, and you, and this has been this has been part of your life for the last uh, 35, 40 years. I mean, you're this. You don't. You haven't just written one book well, on the subject. No, that's right. Uh, Eighteen, want, and, and a majority have been on on uh, on baseball broadcasting. I grew up in a small town well, in upstate sure. New York. There was no major league uh, team at that time in Toronto. So the nearest team was in New York, which was a good six, seven hours away. So to follow baseball, which, of course, all of us did at that time, uh, you had to do it through the voices of the game, uh, be it radio or television. Mel Allen and Dizzy Dean were my childhood announcers who could not fall in love with baseball. Um, uh, listening to them it would be the same thing as someone in Illinois with Brickhouse and and uh, Carrie and Jack Quinlan and and the great Pat Hughes today with the Cubs. Pat Hughes, um, yeah. you know, this is my this is this is my linchpin. This is how how basically I got to follow baseball, and I fell in love with the language, and I also fell in love at that early age with politics, the language of politics. So thankfully, I've been able to cobble together a career based upon those two great loves, mm -hmm. which remain to this day. Mike Coolidge, you wanted to make a comment? Yes, trying to tie this all together. That's Broadcasting right. <laughs> and politics and bringing your point about Chuck Todd. The thing that was 
the biggest broadcaster, the biggest political broadcaster of all time, the most influential person on the right of all time, and really of any side, was Rush Limbaugh, right? Yep. When he passed away, not a second was given to that on Meet the Press. Not even a controversial Rush Limbaugh and then a, a, you know, a clip of all of his bad stuff. That, to me, showed how that establishment media leftist yep. uh, uh, TV show, Meet the Press, is completely ignoring it's corrupt. the right. Completely corrupt. The biggest, the most influential guy just on the right, not just as a broadcaster, but they didn't even give him a second of time. Mm -hmm. um, that was awful to me. And that was, a, to my point, that it's a biased back to, back institution. To the, back to our subject for the night. Kurt, uh, the question that I asked of you is the uh, uh, undisclosed sources. Because we don't, you know, we know there's 27 boxes. The people are going to mm -hmm. want to know what's in those boxes. Okay, it's top secret. Well, it's top secret about what? I mean, you've got, and you've got varying degrees of, of, of confidentiality and security right. trends. So I'm wondering, this is just, this is a what if. I want to stress that it's a what if. What if, or will we ever know what those secrets pertain to? And do the, do the American people yes. need to know that, or do they have a right to know that? They do have a right to know that because I think that the coward's way out, and the total unaccountability way out, is on on uncredited uh, sources, sources that are not 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 disclosed by name. Uh, we've had too many anonymous sources. Reporters can make them up. They can pervert them. They can they can choose not to uh, uh, to use uh, quotes if they don't agree necessarily mm -hmm. with the ideology of the speaker. It gives carte blanche to those who make a mockery of journalism. We've got to be and back sh like back shortly yeah. with Kurt Smith. I'm Bruce Dumont. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge, or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 828-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. 
I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back. This is our last segment of Beyond the Beltway this evening. And, uh, Heard, I, I want to bring you into a conversation that we were having off the air during the uh, uh, the transition between hour number one and hour number two, and that is uh, obviously if I if I realize that there's 27 boxes of top secret information, I want to know well what top secret information got shipped off there, who shipped it off? I mean I don't believe that Donald Trump packed any of it. I would doubt whether Donald Trump ever read any of it because he never likes to read anything. He's not got to read 27 boxes of stuff. <laughs> but I'm wondering in, in this in this category of, you know, the 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 creme de la creme insofar as top secret information. If some of that information started to leak out, would the leaking of that information, it would seem to me would be in a position to make things even worse for Donald Trump. Because the officials will deny that it got out, but it will get out. And then Donald Trump is in the trick box, trick bag of trying to respond to, again, an anonymous source dealing with some monumental issue of national security. Are you are you following what I'm suggesting that the news media would be able yeah. to do? Yes, I am. I th- but I think, you know, by by uh, your background, uh, shall you be known, as the good book says, mm-hmm. or I'm paraphrasing at least. And the national press has, has exposed itself, as has the liberal wing of the Democratic Party over the last five to six years. Um, Trump derangement is real. Hatred is real. And the hatred of Donald Trump has been paramount uh, politically for the last five, six years since he was first elected. And I think that this should color how people view what we're about to begin. Um, I think that, yes, it would be fine if, uh, if all of this was released. Keep in mind, classified information was taken uh, from files by Hillary Clinton. And the press had nothing to say virtually about that, except, my goodness, how awful it was that that was even being raised. So I think you look at this, and there's something there should be all people be treated equally under the law. Trump has not been treated under the law. Uh, at least the uh, press's law, the institutions 
which right now are aligned, are aligned almost universally versus what I would call middle America. And I think okay. we're going to see. And this necessarily won't help Donald Trump uh, because I do think that he's too politically wounded to be uh, a nominee in 2024. The, the but it will reveal, I think, once again, whether the press is honest or not. The comment that I made uh, during the off-the-air uh, conversation, I'm going to let Mike uh, respond to Mike Coolidge. Uh, what if in those files, what if there's Kennedy assassination files? Now, when you brought this up in the break, we both kind of like yeah. laughed because we didn't know whether you were serious or not. Yeah, I was serious. Um, how, how would, I mean... I mean, would again would, thinking would out there loud be, here? Would there be people that want that out? Would there be people that would say, "This is my guy. This you obviously you got to send. You got to stone this guy right away because he's got it." But I mean, clearly, if the government thought there's something uh, about the Kennedy assassination that the public shouldn't know for 87 years, and uh, Donald Trump took it with him to read at Mar-a-Lago, I mean, that would be one hell of a story. Yeah, and also and I can't a, having no consequence put... <laughs> whatsoever to modern America in None. a negative or positive way. Right. Just purely like, oh, you broke, just like this Logan Act baloney that they tried to get uh, Michael Flynn on early on mm -hmm. in the thing, which they kind of did, something that wasn't prosecuted since like the 1850s or something. These technicalities, uh, that would be interesting for sure. That would be quite the... Uh, thing and I think that would blow up in the left's face and Merrick Garland's face that it was something trivial that because I think 59 years after the Kennedy assassination that itself is not trivial but any sort of classified info about it all the people involved in that are dead I mean who Michael cares? you're you're you're, you're <laughs> we, we did talk about this off air in terms yeah. of what um, I have no idea uh, because he cared so little about the official day-to-day -day duties and everybody, uh, as I mentioned before, John Bolton and others who had to brief him as part of the presidential daily briefing said to be kind that Trump was not engaged or listening. I have no idea what he found so interesting that he would bring it home with him. Um, I mean, we know that he, he liked taking a lot of the gifts from foreign countries. So I, I, I'm not exactly sure what including he the president of France. Uh, 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 then why are we but, even using the term espionage? But, but, well, well, because that's the name of the act. Because it's right. Espionage. But, but well, like, and well, it is, we really it, think he's a spy. Well, 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 some people see, but, okay, do. OK, but this this takes us back to what we've been saying the entire time here, which is there is a process that's playing out. And I know we want it to move faster and I know we want more visibility into it. But this is a fairness for the process. But it's also fairness for the people that are involved is to let the process play out. We know that they there was a search warrant. They've seized documents. They're going to review those documents. You know, it, I never thought I would say it, but for the parties here, I have sympathy as well, because if it turns out there is nothing actionable and we try and move on, well, we're all talking about the fact that they went into his home and pulled out documents. The process, I think, needs to play out some more. I want to see where this leads. Espionage Act is a very technical act as well. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, uh, lawyers have been talking about that as well. It's, it's something that there's only... Really, a couple of handfuls of people who ever show you really did. But it's it explosive. That. It's an explosive word. It, it, it could be, but like we've talked about as well, is this sloppiness with record keeping that he had? There's stuff that he brought that he shouldn't have had, or is there particular documents that were that made his way in his possession? They're no longer the government's documents. We've been talking about top secret, confidential, skip protected documents. You know, uh, Donald Trump threw out there that well, this is the same as Barack Obama taking 33 million documents and bringing them home to Chicago. The Wall Street Journal and every other reporter has come out and said completely separate. In fact, the head of the NARA, the National Records Administration, said 
Barack Obama never took 33 million documents home with him. 33 million documents have remained with the federal government as in the possession of the federal government. What we're talking about is documents went home to his personal residence after he was president, and we're not sure if they related to domestic or international security. We need to find out what that is. Here's the scorecard. Peter Navarro uh, got away in handcuffs at an airport. Roger Stone. Ten seconds. Rated. All these other uh, people on the right rated. People on the left who break the rules on this, nothing happens to them. They get slapped on the wrist. There's, a, there's not a, a solid standard of law. And that is the key political debate, I think, that we're going to have for a long, long time. Yeah, Flintstone uh, and others were convicted in a court of law. Because... Danny Berger. Double standard. Double standard. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the double standard. That's going to be one of the key issues in the upcoming campaign. Michael Carbonaggi has been the Democrat. Mike Coolidge has been the Republican. Kurt Smith from the University of Rochester joins us as well. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks to Prince Goldman. We'll see you next week on Beyond the Beltway. Going back to school as a working adult doesn't mean you have to sacrifice a high-quality education. Purdue University, a top 10 public university, took its innovative thinking to a new level when it created Purdue University Global for working adults. Discover innovative, practical ways to earn your degree online and advance your career. Purdue Global has already awarded more than 1 million credits for prior learning, which means you can save nearly half the cost of your bachelor's. See how close you are to finishing your degree at purdueglobal.edu. That's purdueglobal.edu. Why does Comcast Business power more businesses than any other provider? It has technology solutions that put you ahead, like the fastest reliable network and serious savings. Whether your small business is starting or growing, you need Comcast Business. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Ask about Comcast Business Internet and Security Edge. Or find out how to get a $500 prepaid card with a qualifying gig bundle. Call or go online today to learn more. Prepaid card offer ends 8-28-22. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Oh. Goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. At Jersey Mike's, you can elevate any sub by getting the juice. Red wine vinegar and an olive oil blend. It's how a Jersey Mike sub gets its exquisite zing and how bites get boosted. The juice adds a certain something extra, an exclamation on top of the freshly sliced meats and toppings, the kind of exclamation you can eat. Order Jersey Mike's subs on our mobile app and get delivery right to your home or pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike's sub location. Jersey Mike's, be a sub above. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving.
A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.